You're dispatched to a private residence where three young children have just been discovered sampling their grandparents' medication. As you walk inside, you're handed an empty bottle of metoprolol. Grandpa tells you that he thinks that he had a dozen pills left before the kids got to him. He's not sure how many pills each of the kids may have taken, but you notice that one looks particularly sick. Another crew arrives and assumes care of the two well-appearing children, while you and your partner begin treating your three-year-old patient. His vital signs are blood pressure, 70 by palp, heart rate, 65, respirations, 24. His glucose is 52. You're listening to 911Cast, the no-nonsense EMS podcast. This episode is brought to you by Madison Programs, a Brooklyn-based medical training and consulting company with over 20 years of experience specializing in emergency medical continuing education and AHA certification classes like CPR and first aid for community members and professionals. For more information, email madisonprograms at aol.com. I'm Scott Topiel, and this week, it's all about beta blocker overdose. Beta blockers are medications that are commonly prescribed for a wide variety of reasons, including hypertension, congestive heart failure, tachydysrhythmias, and even anxiety conditions ranging from panic attacks to stage fright. There are around 20 different beta blocker medications currently on the market in the United States, with each varying slightly in their effects. In general, these medications block stimulation of beta receptors in the body, hence their name. There are three types of beta receptors, aptly named beta-1, beta-2, and beta-3. Beta-1 receptors are located mostly in the heart and, when stimulated, increase cardiac output by speeding up heart rate and enhancing the strength of each contraction. When beta-1 cells are blocked or antagonized, these effects are reduced, resulting in the opposite, slowed heart rate and decreased contractility. Beta-2 receptors are found primarily in the lungs. You can remember this by thinking that you have one heart, beta-1, and two lungs, beta-2. The beta-2 receptors of the lungs help control the dilation of bronchioles and smooth muscle. When stimulated, say, by your natural fight-or-flight response, the beta-2 receptors help increase your respiratory capacity. Beta blockers can blunt this effect and even cause bronchoconstriction in large doses. Then there are beta-3 receptors. These are found mostly in fatty tissue as well as in the heart. When these are stimulated, they can impact body temperature regulation and are believed to reduce cardiac contractility. Beta blocker medications don't generally affect beta-3 receptors. The generic names of beta blockers end in the suffix lol, and you're probably already familiar with some of the most commonly prescribed ones, such as atenolol, carvedilol, metoprolol, propranolol, and sodalol. Because beta blockers impact the body's most critical organs, the heart and lungs, overdoses are particularly dangerous. Each year, about 25,000 beta blocker overdoses are reported in the United States, with most being intentional. In about half of those cases, patients also ingested other medications, such as calcium channel blockers or tricyclic antidepressants. As you might expect, Beta blocker overdoses result in the magnification of their normal effects. The classic findings are profound bradycardia, hypotension, central nervous system depression, and in some cases bronchospasm. 
Since beta blockers also reduce the body's ability to synthesize glucose, hypoglycemia can occur, especially in children. So it's important to monitor the patient's blood sugar and administer IV dextrose if needed. Certain beta blockers, such as propranolol and metoprolol, are lipid soluble. That means they can easily cross the blood-brain barrier. This increases the risk of seizures. In fact, one study found that seizures occurred in nearly 30% of propranolol overdoses. You can treat these seizures as you normally would, with a benzodiazepine such as midazolam. The half-life of beta-blocking medication varies, with most ranging from about 2 to 8 hours. Some come in sustained or extended release forms that absorb more slowly and last much longer, so the onset of overdose symptoms might be delayed, while the duration of the overdose can be quite prolonged. One particularly dangerous beta-blocker is the drug Sotolol. This is because it affects both beta-receptors and potassium channels. As a result, Sotolol may cause QT prolongation that can trigger dangerous ventricular dysrhythmias such as torsades. The symptoms of Sotolol toxicity are also often delayed by as much as 24 hours, so watch out. The general approach to a patient with a known or suspected beta-blocker overdose starts with managing their ABCs. Neurological depression can result in the patient losing the ability to maintain their own airway, bronchoconstriction can occur, and the effects of the medication on the heart can cause cardiovascular collapse, cardiogenic shock, and even cardiac arrest. If possible, try to determine specifically what drug, how many, and in what time frame the ingestion occurred. Also, ask about other drugs that may have been taken at the same time. If you can, bring the pill bottle or get the name and phone number of the pharmacy so that the hospital can determine when the bottle was last refilled and how many pills were dispensed. Continuous cardiac monitoring and a 12-lead EKG are critical to caring for these patients and you'll want to establish IV access so that you can administer emergency medications and fluids should their condition deteriorate. Be sure to follow your local protocols and medical direction, but most recommendations include treating hypotension aggressively with boluses of IV crystalloids such as normal saline and administering atropine for bradycardia. While the evidence is limited, it's almost universally recommended to administer 3 to 5 milligrams of glucagon as a slow IV push over one minute if fluids and atropine don't work. Glucagon is believed to increase heart rate and cardiac contractility in a way that bypasses the beta-blocker's effects. This is probably a good time to let you know that vomiting is a common side effect of glucagon, so you may want to consider prophylactic administration of an antiemetic like ondansetron. If fluids, atropine, and glucagon don't work, then calcium salts like calcium chloride or calcium gluconate are next in line. These medications can increase cardiac output by increasing contractility, but they won't increase the heart rate. If all of those don't work, then a vasopressor, such as push-dose epinephrine, may be ordered to further increase heart rate and contractility. Sodium bicarb is appropriate if the QT interval lengthens or the QRS starts to widen. And if the patient develops a ventricular dysrhythmia, such as torsades, you might need to give magnesium sulfate. At this point, you're probably wondering about transcutaneous pacing. After all, isn't that usually the first-line treatment for unstable symptomatic bradycardia? Pacing is definitely appropriate here, but it often fails in the setting of beta-blocker overdose. You might also find that you need to use higher voltages than normal, and that the patient's blood pressure won't always improve despite electrical capture. 
When it comes to beta blocker overdoses in children, the general management is pretty much the same as adults, except that you'll need to make sure that you're dosing everything according to their weight. Keep in mind that kids are more likely to develop hypoglycemia and neurological symptoms than adults. Now, back to our case. Recognizing that beta-blocker overdoses in children can be particularly dangerous, you and your partner decide to establish online medical control and initiate rapid transport. You obtain a 12-lead ECG and the computer interprets that as normal sinus rhythm. However, you know that a heart rate of 65 is significantly bradycardic for a 3-year-old. His blood pressure remains low and he's now very lethargic. Medical Control orders a 20 milliliter per kilogram IV fluid bolus and a 20 microgram per kilogram dose of atropine, along with a 50 microgram per kilogram dose of IV glucagon. He remains stable but unimproved during transport. At the hospital, he receives additional IV fluid boluses and repeat doses of medications, and his vital signs eventually improve. He's admitted to the PICU and discharged home three days later. Beta blocker overdose can cause significant bradycardia, hypotension, neurological symptoms such as seizures, and ultimately cardiac dysfunction and death. While many of these patients will remain mildly symptomatic, deterioration can occur unexpectedly and rapidly, often within just a couple of minutes. Consider the possibility of beta blocker overdose in any patient that presents with a significant bradycardia and know that many of these overdoses are intentional so the patient may not tell you what pills they took. Beta-blocker overdose is also associated with PEA cardiac arrest, so be sure to continue treating the overdose during resuscitation. It might even be a good idea to consider prolonged CPR in these cases. That's it for this episode of 911Cast. We'd like to thank our founding sponsor, OneKit, makers of high-quality first aid kits. Check out their products at buyonekit.com. That's B-U-Y-O-N-E, kit.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening.